0: Travis Etienne. Got a little bit of a block. 40, 45. Hold on, the right sideline. 40, 35, 30, 25. Travis Etienne still on his feet. Travis Etienne to the goal line. Touchdown, Travis Etienne. An explosive run. And the first touchdown of the game for the Jaguars. That ball's tipped. It is picked off. Antonio Johnson's running it back. He's got it into Panthers territory. 40-yard line inside the 40. A takeaway by the Jaguar rookie antonio johnson they sent four only they hit him they're gonna sack him again josh allen got him again back at the 42 yard line nice work the second sack of the day and the career sack leader for the jacksonville jaguars josh allen that's, that's when you talk about complimentary
1: football right when, when when guys are down and the next man steps up you rally around each other
2: right and you support each other that's what great teams do that's what you do today Congratulations to you for what you did out there. Played tough, you battled, nice job. Nice job getting the win today, okay? We've battled, we've battled. and You were battle-tested, okay? You were battle-tested. You guys continue to uh, stick together. Great things are gonna happen to this football team moving forward. Okay, you just gotta continue to believe. Continue
1: to believe in All right, great job. We gotta finish, with one now. Okay, ready? One, two, three.
3: (laughs) 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Jeff Lagerman, and Oh my Pocket! Dylan Denmark. Duval Duval Duval. It's like rabbit rabbit, but
1: better. Ah, there you go. Good way to start the year. What's up, Logs? Happy, What's up? happy victory Tuesday, brother.
2: Happy uh, 2024. Happy New Year. I like I like even numbers. We're
1: undefeated. 2024 it's because we haven't played a game I won a damn game in 2024 man what's wrong with this team huh it's
2: all good man i, I uh i will tell you i'm ready for a new year ready for uh, uh even a better year than 2023 let's hope so
1: you know that's uh, that's the desire it gets better every single year doesn't always work that way but we hope all of you out there are gonna have that in 2024 particularly from a Jaguar fandom perspective, Pockets, happy new year to you. Happy new year. What did you do to celebrate? You're the young guy. I imagine you were, you know, carousing in the streets till 4 a.m. No, no, nah. nah, nah.
2: I, I was out till 2 a.m.
1: Oh, all right. Well, yeah. you were out, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was out. Got an invite from a party. I was like, yeah, I'll slide on a little party. Yeah. I was yeah. just happy to make it to midnight.
1: Yeah, I made it to midnight. We didn't do anything. Kiss my wife and... It's, yeah. You know, it's like the big celebration. That, that's a good thing. And it's a great thing. I that's love a, my wife. That's,
2: that's a good night.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic night. And uh, But anyway, we're not big, you know, we, we don't bang the pots and pans. Used to do that when I was a kid. I love that. Man.
2: Bang the pots
1: and pans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my mom and I, we'd get pots and pans out with, like, a big wooden spoon. And, you know, we didn't have fireworks. We didn't have fireworks all right. stands all over the place. So we'd go outside at midnight and just bang on the pots and pans in the neighborhood. We you
2: know? went outside with my daughter and did the uh, – what are they called? Sprinkler, sparklers, whatever you call them. Sparklers. You. sparklers, sparklers, sparklers. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pockets. We had the uh, the thirty six inch long two Whoa. minute sparklers. Dang, that's I that's extra big. Yeah. It is. Is. Um, and I, the great thing about them is you can light them in like four different places, and so that you have like all kinds of light coming off. Oh
1: of well, there you go. Very special. I was like, are the, "Is this some kind of sparkler? I'm going to wear the sprinkler sparkler." But uh, yes,
2: the, yeah. I
1: the sparklers like. Uh, that that's like the entry-level firework yeah, right? uh, i
2: i had i and here here's why we only venture in my household okay to sprinklers sparklers whatever you want to call them <laughs> okay I, I like the sprinkler <laughs> yeah it's a great name uh, a few years ago i went and you know, i went to the fireworks place for a fourth of july and i bought one of those one of those blocks yeah you know we we're gonna light rip, it up maybe. rip it up yeah fourth know, of july we're gonna do it good and so go out to a, to a beach area, and I'll keep the place uh, unknown just so I don't get myself in trouble. Go out to the beach and build some sand up around this thing, you know, and light it. And poom, poom, boom! it's going off. And next thing you know, one of them, one of the uh, tubes blew up out to the side. Oh, no. And so it knocked the whole cube over. Well, this cube probably has like 64, and I mean, it's like that big around. I mean, what's that? foot and a half oh, two, yeah. two foot by two foot two, two foot by two it's foot. a monster yeah okay so there's still another fire in every direction they're right? trying to kill people yeah. in the dunes uh. and so i'm sitting there going oh my god i'm gonna get somebody hurt so i'm like running as this thing is they're <laughs> shooting by my head so i can go out there and i grab it and then i literally pick it up with my hands and hold it going towards the, the water ocean. Yes. towards the ocean right on so, and hoping another tube doesn't blow out the side and blow my hand Or out. the bottom
1: or anywhere. Something. Yeah, absolutely. You could have yes. had a, your own JPP moment from, right there. From
2: then on, sprinklers, sparklers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They
1: sprinkle sparks all over the place. <laughs> Jeff That's it. holiday sprinklers. <laughs> Nobody will know what the hell we are talking about. Water's uh,
2: safe, Mike.
1: There you go. Uh, <laughs> Fat Tony has uh, the day off. He is on assignment to start. The new year but happy new year to my man tony smith as well it is a check the tape tuesday logs we want a damn game awesome it's, uh, and really they want it in dominant dominant fashion uh to me the zero on the scoreboard is fantastic the one hard to get the the one is maybe more impressive one penalty yeah. in the whole game and it, you call it borderline i thought it, you know i understand why the refs uh, blew it on a, a horse collar, the the jersey did get tugged down a little bit, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, like yeah. it's it's not – there There were no mental mistakes. There are no pre-snap penalties or, you know, the stuff that's easily within your control, they controlled it this
2: yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, you had a couple mistakes here and there, but uh, they weren't as uh, magnified as they had been in some oh, previous Oh, sure, games. you're
1: going to have mistakes. But in terms of like just like lining up, false start, you know, things like that and, you know – uh, they eliminated that for a week.
2: Yeah, but yeah, but, but what I'm saying about you had some mistakes. For example, Bigsby went the wrong way. Yeah, uh, on one play, you had a uh, busted coverage where Thielen Tyson, got wide open. Right, Tyson. But I mean, look, if that's, that's the so if, that, if that's the worst, that's winning football,
1: right? If you can count those kind of things on a handful of fingers, and
2: that's what you're looking for, because yeah. I mean, look, you, you always are in search of the perfect game, but rarely do you ever achieve that. You know, so uh, look, I, I give them credit. And here's. Here's the part that I was impressed with most, is that they had a game plan, uh, a way to approach that game, and they stuck to the plan. I mean, literally stuck to the plan and executed it to perfection. You know, this is a game in which you don't expect or need to feel like you got to score a ton of points. And so they wanted to stay committed to the running game, and they did. And it paid dividends later on in the game where ETN ended up busting out for a long run and, and credit him on that play and also some excellent blocks. But, I mean, what a great effort at the end of that play that he got. And then uh, also minimizing the exposure for a backup quarterback, you know, to where it was a lot of safer throws. But then still having, you know, a play in there, the double move to Jamal Agnew, which he got hurt on. Unfortunately, that thing was a, a, perfect execute, a perfectly executed play
1: yeah, that's a bummer for Jamal Agnew with the lower uh, leg fracture done for the season for him, so an explosive element in the return game and a downfield threat in the passing game as well.
2: right. and uh, the the return game is big because field position in the playoffs is is a big part of winning. and especially when your offense hasn't had a lot of explosiveness to it, you know, where you've been a little clunky. So having, that extra boost in return game, since he's been back, has been nice to have. And also, now you're going to be missing that. Oh, and, by the way, you're going to a rookie returner, and the punt return game to Parker Washington, you know, makes you a little bit nervous. But but you feel good about him. I mean, you end up having, I think, a 15-yard return in that game. Yeah. Uh, which was a, a, a nice return. But then you lose a lot on the kick return because Dearness Johnson's been handling that, and he's been a little bit banged up. So, well, not, not the same.
1: Uh, usually we start off in the first segment. We get a recap of how you feel Trevor Lawrence performed. We won't do that today, obviously. Uh, but other than not knowing how to hell to get down at the end of a run, <laughs> CJ. Did you hear me doing? say that a few oh, times I, I, in the broadcast? Look, we're all saying the same thing. We're sitting there like, come on, man. You know, like we're a heartbeat away from a guy who's been here for two days taking over the reins uh, in Matt Barkley. Uh, so uh, Logs, how do you think CJ Beathard
2: played? If you ignore the exposed plays that he put himself into. Uh, You're talking he, about the exposure to the hits. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought he did a good job. Uh, managed the game well, protected the ball, um, was, uh, I thought, precise and accurate on some of his throws that were contested catches, and he got the ball in there. So I, I give him credit. He did a good job. But you can't, you can't ignore that he was exposing himself unnecessarily. And he also took a sack on one play where he's out of the pocket. All he has to do is throw it away, and it did two things: you took a, a minus play, a sack, and then you also exposed yourself to a hit, which was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. He he, if he's going to be a good backup quarterback, you've got to eliminate those kind of plays because, like you said, you know, you're the next guy up is a guy that was signed on what Tuesday and had two days of practice, maybe. And I don't know how many reps he got. You know, probably not very many. He can handle the kneel down. We saw that. Yeah, so, that's okay. great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, look, I hope we have a lot more kneel downs uh, to hand off to Matt Barkley. Yeah,
2: CJ's got to be a little bit smarter, and, you know, hopefully he'll learn from that. But, I mean, I, I, I get it. That's kind of the way that he likes to play, a little bit of reckless abandon, kind of like Baker Mayfield the previous week. And, you know, we're kinda, we were kind of praising Baker Mayfield the week before. But and the reason we were doing that is because he's not our quarterback. Okay, for number one, and and he's... Depends on the point of the game when you do it, too.
1: You know, C.J.'s doing it when this game is well in hand, and it was evident that Carolina was not scoring double-figure points. Maybe they'd fluke into a touchdown somewhere along the way, and they almost did, you know, but D.J. Chark couldn't hang on to that uh, ball. But regardless, Jags get the big win, one that was greatly needed, and now they know if they beat Tennessee to wrap up the regular season, they're AFC South division champs for the second consecutive year. There is a path for the Jaguars to make the postseason uh, as a wild card. And it's not that convoluted, but it's difficult to imagine uh, Pittsburgh losing to Baltimore if Baltimore is going to rest all their players this week. But uh, that's part of the equation. But if that happens, at least uh, if Baltimore manages to win that game on Saturday, the Jags will kick off knowing that You know, if they do lose, uh, it'll be in the hands of the Raiders later on. In the afternoon. Uh, because, oh,
2: let's hope it doesn't get to that.
1: Uh, well, obviously let's hope <laughs> it doesn't get to that. But I'm not going to turn down an invite no. to to the wild card no. if that's the route it, you know, comes. It's going to be super depressing at, at 4 o'clock the Jags lose that game. But it, then three hours later, they find themselves somehow in the postseason. I'm still going to take it. I'm yeah, not turning yeah, down yeah. the invite. Yeah, so. but you
2: want to go in with a win. Oh, of and- course. Of course. And, uh, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is you feel like you you got some positivity going into the playoffs if you win this game, where if you if you don't win this game, it's against, I don't want to say the Titans are as bad as the Carolina Panthers, but, you know, Mike, every every year I do, and you know this, my game boards that I, I have right in front of me, and and you put the roster together with the different starters and the depth chart and everything, and it's, it's always interesting when you do the division opponents because you have game one and then you have game two and then sometimes you play teams close together sometimes you play them farther apart but it's always interesting to see how much change has happened between game one and game two and it's been a while since this team has played the Tennessee Titans the amount of change that has happened in their roster and on their depth chart is dramatic arguably one of the most uh, changed boards that I have had uh, since I've been calling games in, in my time in the booth. That's, that's a long time. So the Titans have had some serious changes with the roster, and you can see that it's impacted their performance in a big way.
1: All right, uh, we'll get into all the different aspects of Jaguar football today, including the matchup with those Titans that Jeff was just laying out there a little bit, and you can be a part of the conversation. Very easily pick up the phone and kick off the new year at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Hit us up today on social media at MD underscore 1010XL, at Logs 56, and at 1010XL
3: Pockets. Hold my pocket!
1: Penton XL Denmark, actually. But, you know, that's what it should be. Uh, and uh, just give us your questions or comments, Jaguar-related. For Jeff, we'll pass those along. You can post them in the YouTube chat as well, and we'll dissect the victory and the likelihood of the Jags going into Tennessee and coming out victorious with back-to-back division crowns for the first time since the late 19. 19- 90s. Want to get that done this week for sure. Mike Dempsey, Jeff Loggeman, Dylan Denmark, Fat Tony's on assignment. You're listening to Jaguars Today, our first show of 2024 on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
3: Jeff Loggeman. Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. And they stay there! Good way to start the year or end the year, I suppose. But send us
1: in with a good feeling into January. Jaguars snap the four-game losing streak and control whether or not they're the AFC South champs if they beat the Tennessee Titans coming up on Sunday. We'll get into that matchup. We'll get uh, into a further look back at the way the Jags performed this week. Uh, But Logs, uh, let me get your thoughts uh, quickly. You don't want to make the whole show about it. I think we all saw it uh, on video the owner of the Carolina Panthers, uh, certainly appearing to fling what the remnants of his drink out the sweet window uh, on some Jaguar fans who are none too pleased, nor should they be. Um, fans have been banned indefinitely from stadiums for throwing drinks on players, things like that. Uh, what do you think the NFL ultimately does with David Tepper, if anything, in this situation? I think it needs
2: to be a, a significant fine and some type of suspension. Uh, in my opinion and uh, you know he's a hothead obviously and that's the what the rumors have been and he just confirmed the rumors in that moment of his life and that's a shame that he did that because um, it uh, I know the Carolina Panthers fans are frustrated uh, you know frustrated for a lot of reasons and then when you have an owner who who shows that type of behavior it's embarrassing it really is. It's embarrassing. I don't think there's any other way to describe it.
1: No, and I think one of the reasons he's frustrated is he's probably kicking himself for the quarterback decision. That they I'm made sure. At I'm this sure. And in time.
2: I made the comment in the broadcast, and you know, I stand by it. You know, when uh, As you know, I, I watched the top 100 prospects or so prior to every draft. Sure. And watched very closely, obviously, Stroud and Bryce Young. And to me, it was very apparent that Stroud was the guy and it was it was easy to, for me for a couple reasons. One, the size of the player, and then number two, the arm talent. And in the game, which was the first opportunity that I had of watching Bryce Young in person, it was very apparent that the arm talent is not even close. I mean, C.J. Stroud can, with a flick of the wrist, throw a ball on a dime at 20 yards on an out route. C.J. Stroud's got to put everything into it. Everything. Or young. I mean, Young yeah, has to yeah. put everything into it. A twenty yard out,
1: right? Everything he's got to gather himself, everything, right? For just those, exactly the yes. intermediate throws, not never mind the deep stuff. You yeah,
2: know? and <clears throat> he's uh, he's got a long way to go. And I'm not saying that one day he's not going to be a good football player, but I mean, to me, if you look at <laughs> the eye test, it's not even close. And the rumors are that. Tepper was the one who made that decision. Overruled the coaching staff who wanted to go with Stroud. And, and after having an opportunity to be on the field prior to the game, I can tell you that that was confirmed.
1: Yeah. So, I'm guessing you uh, had some sources on that coaching staff, uh, but uh, we'll leave that at that. I mean, I think that's been what the feeling is, and you're not going to get Tepper. That's not
2: breaking news. Right, you're not going to –
1: No, but uh, – Been it, out there. Exactly, but you're not – and you're never going to get – the official declarative confirmation no. uh, from his side, certainly. I think at some point. Oh, right. At some point <laughs> down the line you will, right, when guys leave or they, yeah. they move on in their careers and, and the book is written, yeah. you know, and, and all that will come out. And I think you're right. It's it's pretty much an open secret at this point in time. But uh, nevertheless. Um,
2: and I, and I, I root for him. I, I root for all these young quarterbacks, you know, because, I mean, it's hard to play that position. There's a lot of stress. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. And so I hope he, he handles it well. But uh, but that's it's a tough road, especially when you have an owner that has number one behavior like that, which also would kind of show you of what's going on behind closed doors right. within that organization. Right, he's trying to do not.
1: this when you know everyone in the world has a camera in their hand these it, days.
2: It's, it's hard it's hard to play that position. Then it becomes harder when you're in an organization that has an owner who acts that way, mm-hmm. and then who also has been very quick. Uh, I guess you could say quick-tempered because that temper obviously has affected some of his judgment because he made a change in season in the first year of his head coach. I mean, what are you doing?
1: Uh, as somebody pointed out on the uh, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, that, uh, the ironic thing—it's crazy—the uh, guys were throwing beer at you. Uh, what in the Cleveland? Was it the Cleveland game? Yeah, that, uh, they were they were chucking beer can. Right, beer can. Coming <laughs> yeah. Right. It wasn't the yeah. beer so much as the
2: <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of liquid in the can, which made it a very dangerous uh weapon. Yes. In fact.
1: Um all right. So uh and then uh, somebody pointing out as well that of course Bud Adams got fined quarter of a million dollars for flipping off mm-hmm. the fans. The money that you can find Tepper a million bucks and he, he It's gotta just, go beyond money. It's got to go beyond money. I mean it's gotta, go could, beyond it, money. It's gotta be, include money, I think. But it's got to go beyond money because for him, what's a suspension mean? All right. For a month, I don't have to go watch this team play. Is that really the most painful thing in the world? You know, I get it. You're an owner. You want to go watch your your team, whatever. All right. Let's move off of that uh, because he belongs with the rest of the Panthers this week as big fat losers, uh, by the way. But nobody had shut this team out, by the way. I see somebody on the YouTube chat going, all they did was beat the worst team in the league. And you're absolutely right. Record-wise, they're the worst team in the National Football League who scored 30 the week before and have not been shut out all year. I, I don't want to diminish what the Jags did here. It's not a great football team. It's a very offensively challenged football team, but no team
2: had done that to them this year. No, and then also I thought that the Jaguars neutralized some of the strengths of Carolina's team. You know, Derek Brown, for example, a big, strong, super defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers, and I thought the Jaguars did a pretty good job against them. Now Derek Brown made some plays. But I thought Sheriff rose up and made some nice plays. Uh, you could tell that it was working uh, because what happened towards the end of the game? You remember with Cam Robinson getting ejected? Yes. Okay, the, the sequence of events there, because a little bit of it was unveiled in film, was that uh, Derek Brown did not like the, uh, the way in which Brenton Strange was playing the game. And Brenton Strange is a guy that finishes, finishes to the whistle, which is good. I mean, that's what you want. And Derek Brown took offense to the effort in which he was blocking. You're going to mess up my vacation plans here. Exactly. Right. And Derek Brown grabbed the face mask of Brenton Strange. And Brenton Strange is like, you know, hands up, like, stop, stop, stop. Cam Robinson came over and said, hey, big boy, no, you're not going to grab my guy. And goes over and grabs Derek Brown's face yeah. mask. So, in a lot of instances, and if this game was still kind of in the. Uh, in the air, so to speak, as far as what's going to happen, winning, winning or losing, I would have been upset with Cam for getting himself ejected. But at this particular stage of the game, kudos to Cam for backing his guy mm-hmm. and saying enough is enough. Right, he didn't take a swing. Nope, didn't take a swing. Just mm-hmm. grabbed the helmet and then eventually took the helmet and, and tossed it tossed into the it end down. zone. Yeah, well,
1: the first time okay the Panthers made it there all day. That's so the kind so of teammate. It's
2: kind of teammate I want.
1: Here you go. Visit the end zone. Um. So, uh, otherwise, outside of Cam missing some time because of self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive line, you know, the other guys played every snap. Played better. Nobody. Um, so we'll go to our first question today on a Check the Tape Tuesday, this one from Professor Floyd on uh, X or Twitter. Is Robinson Shatley the best left tackle, left guard combo, injuries aside? And he, he talked about, you know, some of the ETN runs and the success they had just in general. What did you see from that side of the offensive line
2: well i thought chatley did a good job but Shatley just he doesn't move as well as like an ezra cleveland i think the best combination is cam and ezra okay when ezra's healthy yep and i'm glad that they were able to to put him on the sideline even though he was dressed and to give him an opportunity to get better for when they need him most which is maybe this week or maybe into the playoffs whichever that is going to be but chatley now look, I give Shatley a lot of credit. He's a dependable guy. He's strong. He uh, doesn't mess up. The one thing that Shatley doesn't do great is he doesn't he doesn't move in space as well as other guys, and that's what, in this offense, they get the offensive linemen and get them moving in space. For example, the little touchdown run that we saw by ETN. If you go back and you watch that, excellent block by Anton Harrison, who's getting out. The linemen are pulling outside because Evan Ingram is sealing the edge with the young man who got hurt in that ball game, who, by the way, is doing better, and that's good news. So Evan gets a seal block on the outside, and then you get two guys coming around the outside, which is Sheriff and Anton Harrison. And they move really well. They get out front and get a block. Well, Shatley's also trying to get down the field to get a block. He ends up kind of sort of getting in the way a little bit, but he just doesn't have the wheels to get there. You know, if that's Ezra and he's healthy, he's down the field, and he, he probably gets another extra block for ETN on that play. Which is so.
1: also, I think, the reason that we talked about that they keep going with Luke Fortner at center because he's yeah. got that mobility that they crave.
2: And I, I, I want to throw a, a shout out here to, to Fortner because I thought he did a really good job in this game. I mean, there, he also had to handle Derek Brown at times and he handled him well. And so, you know, I've been, I criticized him in the past for, you know, where play hasn't been very well. I'm gonna give him credit in this game because I thought he raised his level of play. He got a little bit more physical, and uh, he had a couple plays that weren't great, you know. But for the most part, he he got better, and that helped the offensive line It helped the offense. Um, other than the attitude
1: injection from Cam, how did he play on a down by down basis?
2: Solid. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was solid. You know, good enough to win. Um, Burns is obviously a good football player. Carolina. Had an excellent game plan. Typically, Burns is a left side rusher, you know, which he would be against Anton. And going into this game, I'm like, hey, all right, we got that neutralized because we got Anton Harris, and Anton's got great feet. And Burns is not a real physical rusher; he's a guy that moves a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling good about that matchup. And then all of a sudden, Carolina comes out early in that game, and they had moved Bur- uh, Burns over to the other side. I'm like, okay, that's that's smart, you know. But can he rush from the right side? He gave Cam some fits now. Uh, got him, uh, beat him a couple times on a game. They beat uh, him and Chatley, Cam and Chatley. So, uh, but he's a good football player. Good football player is going to make some plays. I
1: eh, uh, wouldn't have been surprised based on the way the weekend went, uh, having gone to Florida State, if he had opted out of the game. But that's just me. <laughs> I hate that's my own yeah, personal that, issue. I was
2: kind of hoping for, you know, I was actually wanting to watch that game. And then by the time I turned it nah, on, you it didn't want to watch that game.
1: Yeah. It wasn't it it competitive. In the least. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, if you want to get in, uh, we will turn our attention a little bit to Josh Allen's performance in the season that he has had. But uh, we've got plenty of fertile ground to uh, till here with Jeff Loggeman. So, if you want to get in, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Got a bunch of them coming in on social media as well. Fat Tony on assignment today. Mike Dempsey, Jeff Loggeman, and Dylan Denmark kicking off the new year with you. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and
3: 92.5 FM. Jeff Loggeman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL.
0: He drops. They sent four only. They hit him. They're going to sack him again. Josh Allen got him again. Back at the 42-yard line. Nice work, a second sack of the day, and the career sack leader for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen.
1: Well, the career single-season sack leader for the Jacksonville Jaguars is Josh Allen. He's still got, a, I think, 11 to go to catch Tony Bracken. I think he'll put that off till next year, right? Then uh, we're fully anticipating a return. I mean, it's got to be the top off season priority for the Jags. Uh, Better be. It has to be. Yeah. Make sure, look, Trevor Lawrence, if you want to give him the contract, you can. You you can wait another year. You You got time.
2: He's not going anywhere. But, I mean, you you plan that you are, but you have time to do that. Sure. And your best, I mean, arguably, Darius Williams and Josh were two best defensive players this year. You know, and you need to find a way to keep Josh. I mean, look, uh, he's everything you want in a player, hardworking, dependable, available, good guy. I wouldn't even say Seems good guy. Seems to love the I'd town, town and, great guy. and the franchise. Loves the town and is, is wants to be here. I mean, what is not to like? I mean, so, I mean, I, I absolutely agree that he should be the priority.
1: Yeah, and uh, Darius Williams got another year on his deal as well, so that's good. Second in the league to uh, Traverius Ward in past breakups with 15. Ward's got 16, uh, but uh, – you know, Traverius
2: was, is – been outstanding all year. I mean, talk about, I mean, most, I mean, every every year I kind of throw out, you know, in the past I've thrown out most improved player. I mean, right now, Darius Williams has been my most improved player this year.
1: Where where does he compare to like a Devin Lloyd? How much better did Devin Lloyd get this year? I mean, if
2: I had to put it on a scale of improvement, I Mm -hmm. mean, Darius Williams is probably like an eight, nine. Okay. And I would say Devin Lloyd on a scale of improvement, I would say he's a, a five six seven you're pretty happy with that though right i'm happy with it but i mean he's still got a ways he's got some ways. he's got a ways to go
1: yeah but trending in a better direction yeah i
2: mean compared to last year where he got where he got benched i mean this year there's not even been a consideration of that and you felt good about his plays athleticism has shown he's still got to clean some things up there are times there are times that the opponent will go after him
1: okay well all right uh you know um Moving in the right direction, though, not everybody's going to hit their peak in year two, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to ascend.
2: And I I put him in the same category as Josh. I mean, one of those guys you love, dependable, available, Mm -hmm. you know, had the thumb surgery, missed a minimal amount of time, and then also uh, a great guy. I mean, so I'm not saying that you have to have a locker room of a bunch of, you know, angels. Right. But, I mean, you want to have good guys that are
3: good all football re- character. growing
2: in the right direction yeah. and, and then add a few of those edge guys because edge guys help a locker room too. All right. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into the defensive
1: side coming up and got a, a fascinating quarterback uh, tweet I just read you on the break that we'll get to as well. But let's take a quick look around the rest of the National Football League. Now,
3: gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches, Jewelry, and Pawn in Jack's Beach. We'll,
1: we'll start right here in Jacksonville, though. The Jags' 26 to nothing win over the Carolina Panthers leaves Jacksonville only needing to win their regular season finale versus the Tennessee Titans to secure their second consecutive AFC South Crown. Jacksonville still has a path to the playoffs. If they lose to Tennessee, a Jags loss combined with losses by the Steelers and Broncos would mean the Jags get a wild card berth. The Pittsburgh outcome will be known. When the Jaguars kick off this week as the Steelers play the Ravens on Saturday, of course, Baltimore has already locked up the top seed in the AFC and will likely rest many of their key players this week, giving an advantage to Pittsburgh. And the Steelers go in on the road as a four-point favorite in that game. The Miami Dolphins will host Buffalo on Sunday Night Football with the AFC East title up for grabs. The Dolphins will be without top pass rusher Bradley Chubb, who tore an ACL in Miami's 56-19 loss to the Ravens this week. They're also expected to be without cornerback Xavier Howard, who suffered a foot injury in the same game. The Bills open as a three-point favorite over the Dolphins. How about this, though? If the Jaguars win and the Steelers win and the Colts and Texans don't tie, the Bills on Sunday night, with a win, take the number two seed in the AFC and home field throughout, with the exception if they play the Ravens. If they lose in that scenario, they're out of the playoffs. Oof out of the playoffs from the 2 to the 8 or 9 or whatever they would end up being, but not in the postseason at all. Now, in addition to the AFC South and the AFC East being up for grabs this week, the NFC South and NFC East titles will also be available with Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta, Dallas, and Philadelphia all alive to win their respective divisions out of that group. The Cowboys and Eagles have already clinched playoff spots, and the National Football League has so far had no comment on multiple media inquiries after Carolina owner David Tepper was caught on video throwing a drink at Jaguar fans from his suite in the waning moments of the Panthers' 26-0 beatdown at the hands of the Jags this past Sunday. Stay tuned for more on that. So, uh, Logs, not only Josh Allen, but Trayvon Walker had a successful pass-rushing day as well and uh, continues a... Good step forward season in year two. Where is, in your mind, where you wanted to see Trayvon Walker be at this stage of his career? Based on the after what you saw from his rookie season, Mm -hmm. has he reached where you want him to be one season later, basically? Or did he come up a little bit short in your estimation?
2: Well, he's not where I want him to be, but he's made progress. And I thought that might have been his best game as a pro just as far as consistency the way in which he he rushed the passer he got uh, the first sack when he was the three technique where they kicked him down and, and I'll get to more of that in a minute because that's a that's a coaching thing there um, showed great effort the speed reverse he got that that play literally bottled up uh, was physical in the run game a really strong game for trayvon and and they need him you know this is when they need him so to go back to that, Kind of game plan thing, they I give coaches credit. You know Carolina Panther's offensive line, and we said it uh, in the week during the week leading up to the game that the tackles were pretty good. But the two guards in the center were not very good. Gabe Jackson was making the first start. They had had a rookie in there at one of the guard spots wasn't very good. Their center Bozeman is is below average in my opinion. The other guards is just below average as well. So Mike Caldwell and the coaching staff, they put Josh and Trayvon in at three techniques, and then they put the guys that are normally the defensive tackles as pass rushers, they put them on the outside. So on the left side, you had Trayvon at three, and then you had Smoot on the outside. On the right side, you had Josh as a three technique on the guard, and then Roy Robertson-Harris on the outside. That led to two of the sacks that they got in that ball game. Josh got a sack on one of them. Trayvon got a sack on another one and they got pressure throughout the game using that game plan. It was, I thought it was brilliant, and so got to give the coaches some credit for attacking the weakness with their two best pass rushers.
1: Should they be doing more of that at times? If needed. That's been something that's been discussed, obviously, with Trayvon. Could he be – he's a guy, you you know, did it in college, you could kick him inside, and you know it's not like you've got uh, – usually the thought is you're going to bring in your next wave of pass rushers. In this case, you just – flip-flop the roles of the guys on the defensive right. line. But do, do you think maybe – I mean, obviously you've got to have a, a team that you feel like the matchup suits Yeah, that it's about matchups. It's about matchups.
2: Hit. But, I mean, Trayvon's capable of rushing from the inside. Is that where he needs to be all the time? I think uh, on a case-by-case basis you look at it, and then if you feel just as good about his opportunity rushing on the outside as you do the inside, kick him down inside a little bit, you know, and, and mix it up. You know, there's also some instances in that game to where they had – Kalevon Chazon outside of Josh, and Josh was more kind of that big end like Calais used to do. So they mixed it up a little bit in this ballgame, and I, and I thought that that was impressive, and it worked. you know. And any time something works from a game plan standpoint where you're trying to get the best matchups, that's a win. Uh, I have not
1: seen anything further. I know Will Levis left the game, got carted off. Let's assume he doesn't play. I mean, if if you had the choice. When you want to play against the rookie. Yes. Uh, this, yeah, right. Yeah, hands down. I mean, he's got maybe more physical tools,
2: but it was just like but, this past game when, when Bryce Young went down on that one, right? By like, oh, Roy. No, no, right. And we don't need Andy Dalton Please coming in go this go game. Out.
1: Right. They're they're <laughs> probably a better football. And you understand why they're not playing Andy Dalton because they're invested in developing right. Bryce Young and and they're doing the right thing you know, in the short term to see if it works out. But uh yeah, um, uh, you know, Tannehill's had a lot of success in this league. Not that this team looks like they're playing well at all, right? They just scored three points this week against Houston. But we've talked about it. A lot. I mean, the, the Panthers scored thirty last week. It's not week to week is not necessarily an indicator well,
2: of which team's going to show up. I, I don't want to have a veteran quarterback who may be playing his last game. For a franchise, for franchise, with a running back behind him that may be playing probably, his yeah. last game for a franchise, and and both of them looking to end up showing out, and he's a and le- and the running back's a legend
1: who's from the area yes. of the opponent you're playing. He's had great success before,
2: but then Tannehill also mobility. That's always the next factor when you start talking about Tannehill because the guy's got wheels, and Levis doesn't have wheels. Okay, Levis is a pocket passer. He doesn't have the uh, the pocket presence nor the the elusiveness of a quarterback with wheels. So, I mean, I, I want Levis, and if Tannehill's in there, okay, it put, uh, puts another responsibility on the defense to contend with. All right, um,
1: we'll jump back over to the Jags' defensive uh, options and what they've got going on this week uh, in the second hour of the show, but wanted to get this one out there, and I'm glad I read it all the way through, okay? <laughs> this one's from Ed at uh, Shakespeare. Ed you shakes started to get your blood pressure up when well, you started just, to I, read Just I? one vein was popping on the forehead, and then I got to the end. I'm like, okay, thankfully, this is what it is. Um, I'll read it as it came in. Um, what is Bethard's biggest trait over Trevor? Is it the easiest, uh, the easier ball to catch because he has less arm strength? Is it the simpler route tree because he can't make all the throws, or is it the slower collisions? When running, and then he adds at the end sarcasm if that's not obvious. Uh, but logs literally first call we took in the post game this week was they need to sit Trevor for another week. Not let's let him continue to heal. It was like we need to ride Beathard, let Beathard win us the division, then Trevor can return for the playoffs. Which, by the way, if you think Beathard's the better option to beat Tennessee, why wouldn't he be the best option going into the playoffs based on that logic? Um, what what do you? Obviously, Trevor needs to protect the ball better than he has. Absolutely. Do you think a game absorbing that from the sideline will have an impact on him?
2: Or, I mean, I think you can always get better from watching. Okay, but I don't think that that's a prescription that Trevor needs. Okay. Um, Here's the thing: when Trevor's ready to play, okay, and he's ready to play well, he needs to be in the lineup because he does have the arm to make the throws, he is the best option. He is the better runner. He's the better quarterback. Plain and simple. It's not even close. It's a reason there's a reason why he's the man. But I will say that hopefully there was a lot learned in this game. And what I mean by that is is that I hope Trevor learned, okay, protecting the ball, you can shut a team out and not even have a game be close if you protect the ball and minimize mm-hmm. your mistakes on offense but also from the coaching staff, from the standpoint of this game plan was very different than other game plans that they had. Well, maybe the game plan's going forward, and I'm not saying that you need to protect Trevor. I'm just saying is that maybe you can learn something from this past game is that, hey, let's lean on the running game a little bit more. Let's stay committed to the running game a little bit more. Let's put a little bit more on other aspects of our offense and not be so quarterback-centric. So I hope that there is some lessons that can be learned by all. And I give credit to Press Taylor and Doug Peterson. They put a fantastic game plan together. The way that they stayed committed to that run with C.J. Beathard, they made the route tree for C.J. easier for him. They made the throws for him a little bit more in the box, so to speak. When I say the box, the quarterback box. But then also the way that they weren't overly aggressive in this ball game knowing that the Carolina Panthers were not a point-scoring machine, I thought it was a great plan, and it was great staying adhered to that game plan. Well, it was part
1: of that, the fact that Carolina hasn't really stopped anybody running the ball this year, because you really, and again, this happens in the NFL. You look at a big yards-per-carry average, and sometimes a guy goes three yards, two yards, three yards, 50 yards, right? Well, in this case, ETN had a 62-yard run. You take that 62-yard run out, he had 15 carries for 40 yards. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was – down and down out, churning out right. big yardage. Uh, Bigsby was ten for thirty-two, so they're both in kind of the low to mid threes uh, in terms of average yards per carry. Is do you think they'll have that same patience if it's not going well right off the bat against Tennessee?
2: I hope so, because I, it it works um, when when you and here's here's one of the other things when when you stay committed to running the ball. And I'm not saying that. Look, I mean, look, the reality is it's a passing league. But when you stay committed to the running game, to some extent, it opens up play action, which is typically where your biggest, most explosive plays happen in the National Football League. And so if you stick with it, okay, now we're opening up another area of our offense that can be more effective. So I hope that they stick with it. I wish that even you go back to the game plans that they had when Trevor was nicked up with the ankle and then also with the head. Should the game plan may maybe have been more like what we just saw? Right. Okay, you can make that argument that it probably should have been a little bit more in that direction, even though it kind of got out of control at Tampa. But maybe it doesn't get out of control if you have a little bit more of a conservative game plan instead of being aggressive early in the ballgame.
1: It's interesting. Etn uh, against Tennessee the first time around, numbers very similar to what, he had this week minus a 62 yard run, right? He had 15 carries for or 14 carries for 52 yards, so right there in that neighborhood. Uh, of course, Jeffrey Simmons has been out for about a month. Their best player, arguably on the team, uh, certainly the best run stuffer. Yeah, and uh, in the case of the first time around, half their offense too. He, remember he scored that touchdown <laughs> late on the the tackle eligible play. At least they knew how to get that play checked in correctly. Uh, Not everybody does apparently in the NFL, but uh, let's not forget that it was 34 to seven and he caught a meaningless touchdown with 4:28 to go in that contest. Jags were shutting out Tennessee 27 and nothing in that game uh, when Tennessee first got on the scoreboard at the end of the third quarter. And again, that was a Will Levis led offense. So it's going to be a different story. It looks like this time around, but uh, it's all on the line for the Jags. One hour in the books on a check-the-tape Tuesday. If you'd like to get on board, you know the ways to do it, primarily at 641-1010 on the all Roofing phone lines with a text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. With Jeff Lagerman, I'm Mike Dempsey. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and
3: 92.5 FM. Check the tape Tuesday with Jeff Loggeman He's brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. Uh, Things I learned today,
1: FSU backup quarterback Brock Glenn sounds exactly like Kirby Smart. Just
3: exactly
1: like Kirby Smart. Who knew it? Uh, All right, uh, somebody said that Jag fans should send Panthers uh, owner David Tepper giant sippy cup with two handles. Or just send a bunch of little ones. but
2: That would be great.
1: It would be, be kind of good, but then you've got to spend your money on whatever and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it would be kind of funny, though. Here, maybe you can hang on to this one, you little baby.
2: Could the uh, Jaguars maybe send him one of them? Uh, they could. That, that wouldn't be very good, though. Uh, are
1: they going to? <laughs> no. Uh, the Jags won't, don't even have a comment on the situation. Uh, here's a comment uh, from me. He's a big baby. All right, and we all saw it. All right, uh, Logs, uh, how did Tyson Campbell look this week to you?
2: Better, much better, much more aggressive. Uh, the, the play that really stands out in my mind, Chark going down the boundary close to the goal line or a diving catch, and then Tyson's right on top of him. He doesn't turn his head back around. He just plays the man, which is when he's at his best. Uh, how aggressive he was coming up on some fits in the run game and in the pass game, much better than the week before and then the other time that he tried to come back before that.
1: Now, I got to ask you, because I understand you're saying in that instance, sometimes you play the man and you read his reaction and, like, when his hands go up, you pop your hands through to you know, anticipate where the ball is going to be. But one of the early criticisms of Tyson Campbell's play here in Jacksonville was wouldn't get his head turned around. So now you're saying... He's good to not turn his head around. So, yes. so I, I'm sure there are people here that going, wait a minute. What do what are we – are we differentiating between different kinds of
2: circumstances here or what? I, I think sometimes you have to accept a shortcoming. And okay. When Tyson has gotten his head back around, that's when big plays have happened to him. Some defenders just say, I'm not going to turn my head back around. I'm going to play the, the offensive player. So I'm going to read his eyes, I'm going to read his hands, and I'm going to read his body language and react if I can't get my head around. And when when I say not getting your head around, if you're in essentially man coverage, okay, and you're running with a guy, okay, there's a time and a place to get your head around. And that place, for Tyson, that's not, he's not at his best when he gets his head around. Now, if he has his head back to the quarterback in his own coverage and he can react, sure. You know, keep your eyes back to the quarterback and react. But in those instances, he needs to continue to do what he did in this ball game and not do what he's done in the past, where he's given up the play. And that's because when he turns his head back around, sometimes his his gait changes and he loses ground and he can't track the ball as quickly as some. Some guys have that knack, okay? And that's just not his strength.
1: All right, uh, this one, uh, that one's by the way, from the uh, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. As is this question for you, Logs on a check the tape. Tuesday, were surprised that uh, C.J. Beathard was able to pass the concussion test, considering how bad it turned out to be for Marquise Haynes? I was a little surprised. Putting aside what happened with Haynes and the, that how long everything took and the concern around him going down, I was a little surprised because it looked like C.J. you know might have had needed a standing eight count there for a second to my eyes, but they obviously took him to the medical tent, ran him through the baseline test. I'm not what. sometimes guys are involved in the same collision, and one guy's down, and the other guy's never, you know, bats an eye, right? And it just happens that way. And and I think every hit is different. So I'm not surprised in relation to it was significant for this other guy because it, it just that's the way it happens. That's yeah, just I think the way it is. And,
2: uh, look. um, it's not like there's any insider trading going on here for C.J. Right. Okay, there's an independent neurologist that's at the games and they're making the decision that's best for the player and the player's health and safety and well-being. So uh, there's nothing else. Okay, there's not this, oh, C.J.'s our only guy and the next guy is Matt Barkley, so we need to get C.J. back out on the field. That's not, in, that's not taken into account with the independent neurologist that's on site.
1: Right. They have a, a series of tests that you, they call them baseline tests that you do when you're clear headed in the off season. And, and these are your reaction. I don't even know what kind of questions they ask you, but whatever it is, uh, they compare your responses in the wake of getting uh, a headshot there for lack of a better term and uh, to your baseline responses. And if they're within a certain parameter um, and again, I'm, that's a, being very careful here, I don't know exactly right. what it entails. But. The
2: situation with Haynes Senior, who is a local guy, University mm-hmm. Christian High School, you know, has done camps here in the off season, et cetera, and from what I understand, uh, all around gr- good guy. That was scary, you know, because he tried to get up and then he stumbles and essentially fell face first, right. back into the ground, and then was immobilized, and uh, eventually he rolled over onto his back. And having a little bit of flashbacks there, you know, with Dennis Bird happening in the 90s, and they were sitting there, they cut off the jersey, cut off the shoulder pads so that they could remove it without having any kind of motion with the body. And a lot of times with a head injury, they do that because there's fear that because it's hard to communicate with somebody who has a head injury, could there be further spine, neck injury, Mm -hmm. trauma, that if you move the individual, you're at risk of Obviously, something very bad happening. So, uh, but precautions all taken. Uh, he gave the thumbs up as he was going off the field in the golf cart, and then supposedly traveled home yesterday back to Carolina or back to Carolina. I won't say home because I guess his home might be here. But but I was I was happy to hear that. You know, that was one of the first things that I was doing yesterday morning when I woke up was checking on if there was any news and in, or information on him to see if he was okay.
1: Uh, this one kind of along those lines, right? We we're talking about quarterbacks taking head impacts uh, from Billy on X. Uh, what are your thoughts on these scrums that are taking place to advance runners? The tush push play, right? Basically, yeah. right? Uh, is the league just waiting for a serious injury before they address this? From my look, not a doctor, not a neurologist. I, I don't know. Are they any more susceptible to injury who, on that play?
2: Who, who says that?
1: I, I don't know because it seems like. I mean, I get it. Your quarterback is taking some degree of hit, but. It's like everything, you know, it's almost like he's got padding around him. Yeah,
2: everybody's worried about the quarterback. How about the center? Yeah, well,
1: I mean, I think we uh, let's be honest, I think we accept that those guys are are going to be in
2: a you know, a, a head-on collision 60 times a game. It's and a to me it's it's a it's a it's a point that gets too much conversation, okay? It's a legal play. It's not putting anybody at more risk uh, than any other play. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you.
1: Well, I mean, if you don't like it, you might get your way. The NFL may outlaw it, right? I mean, it, that's been talked about quite a bit. Uh, and it wouldn't be from a safety standpoint. It would be no. from an aesthetic standpoint. That I don't think they I – mean, I like it.
4: I like it.
2: Like, you, you like it, it but, it, you know, if people don't like it, as far as the coaches or players or whatever, stop it. Well, you know? And it, here, here's the thing. How many teams can do that?
1: Not that many, and that's why people look at it like what the teams that are able to do it. I'm not saying it's right, but that's one of the criticisms, like oh Philly's got an unfair advantage on the rest of the league. Well, maybe your quarterback should be able to squat six hundred pounds. I don't know, but uh, the there, center
2: is the key in that whole play,
1: but the, there's been a lot of talk about eliminating the play because it's too much like a rugby scrum and it's not doesn't fit the aesthetics of. NFL football. And, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk that the league is going to take a look at that play, I the competition don't. committee.
2: I, I, I'm okay with the play, and it's part of, it's all within the rules. And oh, I'm fine
1: with it as long as it's within the rules right now. But if they want to outlaw it, it's not going to bother me, you know. If, yeah, but
2: then here, here's the part I think that gets complicated if you outlaw something like that. What, what then qualifies for a push play? Okay, does a quarterback sneak all of a sudden become that? I mean, so then it, be, it starts, again, starts, it creates another interpretation of the rule book, which to me is totally unnecessary. Well, to sure,
1: or maybe they go away from uh, allowing people to push offensive players forward on plays because they didn't always allow that, and then they did, and that's kind of been the genesis yeah, of no, I, I why they're it. going. Look, I don't know, man. It's out of our hands, but uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the NFL at least takes a look at it. And I, they,
2: One of the things I think that doesn't get talked about enough with that play is how rare it is to have that play be successful, and what what is key to making that play successful. Kelsey, the center, doesn't get enough conversation. I mean He's the reason. He is the. If you don't have him, you can't do that play, and he doesn't get enough credit for that play himself. Everybody wants, like you did. You mentioned squatting. Yeah. The quarterback squatting six hundred pounds, and it's great because it is cool and it is rare that a quarterback can do that. But to me, the most important player in all of that is the center that can snap that, and then he can actually get penetration into the defensive front because without his penetration, six hundred pounds doesn't mean anything for squatting on a quarterback, you know, and it's not like he's squatting the pile forward. The biggest thing is is that first initial push by the center and getting the the snap off with that in that position. To where he's rooting things out. I mean, to me, that's the guy that doesn't get enough conversation. Probably
1: not, but I, I got to believe that uh, Jalen Hurts' leg drive has something sure, to do absolutely. with the. I mean, the it, 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 it
2: takes everything, um, but to me, the initial part, though, is Kelsey. All
1: right, we got to take a time out here. We'll come back. If you want to get in, you're certainly welcome to with your questions or comments on Jaguar football on a check the tape Tuesday, 641 the easiest way to do it. We'll also check in on uh, social media, to see what you're sending along. For Jeff Lagerman, this is uh, the first of many for 2024 and uh, celebrating a victory Tuesday here on 1010XL, 92.5 FM.
3: Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, Jeff Logman's here on a check the tape Tuesday, victory Tuesday
1: to kick off the year. Fat Tony's on assignment today. Pockets is along. I'm Mike Dempsey. Glad you're with us here. Happy New Year from all of us here at Jaguars today. Let's make it a really happy extended one with a victory over the Titans on Sunday. Be back to back division champs. And curious how the uh, you know the Jag fans and the, uh, you know maybe it was just a squeaky wheel, vast minority of them, but I had plenty of folks telling me on our various methods of feedback, nah, better to lose out here because we're not going to go into the postseason with the ability to do anything, and uh, let's get the best draft pick we can at this point in time. What's the point? I just – what's the point? How about just hanging the division championship banner? How about not allowing Houston or Indy to take the division away from you? And how about just not knowing what the outcome is going to be in the postseason – And taking your chances. Never know. In the first round. Never know. I mean, you know, sometimes you know, but I'm going to say, you're telling me you know that the Jags can't beat the Cleveland Browns? I'm not saying you. I'm saying just in the abstract here. it lost by four on the road, and they, they uncovered three guys that Flacco threw touchdown passes to. I absolutely think they can beat the Cleveland Browns. Am I guaranteeing that they would? No. But I think they can. Absolutely. You know,
2: so let's have that shot. Clean up some mistakes. Protect the football. Yes. And then when Joe throws you a couple of them. Take advantage. Catch them. Got to catch them. Take
1: advantage. Because Joe's going to throw a couple. You'll be at home. You can get a great environment. You can do all these. I mean. It's a great
2: great story. Feel good story. But uh, Joe's been pretty fortunate. There's been a lot of of his balls that have been dropped. And he's still, I still see him one hop in a lot of passes. Yeah. Now he
1: played well last Thursday. I, yeah, I mean, he threw big plays, but again, it was like, what are you doing? There's no Amari Cooper. Will anyone guard David Najoku? He's just seemingly just running wide open across the field. Oh yeah. Let me throw another one to him. Yeah. He got great protection in that game too. That was a he big did. factor uh, for him, but maybe, Hey, look, that's potentially a couple weeks away. Love to have that opportunity. Gotta go. now, I'll take it, you know, versus Baltimore. Let's go right now. I'd rather have that than nothing rather than sit home going, yeah. oh, we locked up I wouldn't, 19 I wouldn't fix. feel as
2: good about that matchup,
1: though. I wouldn't either, but I would, <laughs> I would still want the opportunity. Absolutely. Take my shot, man. See if you agree with this. Uh, this one on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, this person says, I've been to every home game since Doug Peterson was hired. It seemed like on Sunday they substituted more frequently and use more players overall in the game. Do you know if it's true? And if so, what would be the reason for doing that at this point in the season?
2: No, um, as far as defensively, I'm sure that, or guessing that that's where the, the question is focused in on. It's about what they've been doing. Uh, they've been doing a really good job of rotating everybody to maintain freshness throughout. And it's probably a little bit more noticeable in a game like that because the opponent is you know, trying to throw the ball. They're going a little bit more of a hurry-up. And so you're seeing players change during drives because it's a lot of energy is expended as a pass rusher.
1: But you know what, Logs? Despite that, Josh Allen played 85% of the snaps. Trayvon played 72%. That's, that's a right. very high percentage for your two primary pass rushers right yeah. there. So. Yeah,
2: which, I mean, that's probably been – for Josh I would say that's if on that probably been about average for him for the year percentage wise maybe a little high uh but yeah I mean,
1: 85 seems high i'd have to go back and look i don't have the yeah, committed I to memory stats. but uh, they had four guys defensively play every snap ray Aluikin. Uh, Darius Williams, Tyson Campbell didn't miss a snap. Devin Lloyd played 91% of the snaps as well. Yeah.
2: um, Cisco, his reps have gone down a little bit. Uh, You know, his performance has been a little off with some of the injuries that he's had. He still played 76% and uh, had seven mm -hmm. snaps on special teams as well. And have been playing wingard a little bit more recently uh, and rotating kind of him in with Cisco. I don't know if it's a package thing or if it's a. A performance thing, but look, uh, Wingard uh, has been playing well when given the opportunity at safety, so uh, it's good to have guys that can play. I think
1: that when you see Tank Biggs beginning, Tank carries, that's probably, like, that may be something that sticks in your head, too. Maybe. Like, they went deeper in the running back rotation than they have. Um, question on X or Twitter, see if I can find it right here, uh, was um, their use of him uh, like in a split-eye formation as a fullback. Um, do you recall that, and how did he do? And just in general, what did you see from Biggsby this week?
2: Well, they have the split-eye thing I'm probably talking about when you have him and an ETN on the field at the same time. Yes. And, uh, and I don't recall the specific player or what happened, but they do that, and a lot of times they do that with a short yardage type of situation to where you see some teams that will do the little uh, – hand off, kind of cut back to the fullback underneath, but then also have the option off of that or the quick pitch out to the deep tailback. And so it's kind of a complementary play to where you have – you're trying to keep the defense off balance. Who's going to get the ball, the fullback or the tailback? So that's something that they have shown in the past when they have those two backs on the field.
1: What did you see just in general from Tank Bigsby this week? Uh, Yeah, Yeah.
2: yeah, You know, I mean – do
1: you think it's a desire now to like? Was that just like, "Hey, all hands on deck, we want to run the ball a bunch," or are they trying to get another fresh body in there to to just try to spark something?
2: I think I think what they were trying to do is is to really to stay committed to the run, which they did, and they, they knew that they would have to have two guys to do that. Durance Johnson's been banged up, so they wanted to give Bigsby another opportunity, and so I think his carries would have been higher. In this ball game, if he didn't run that wrong direction on that one mm-hmm. play, you could see that C.J. was visibly upset about it on the field, and uh, and an opportunity to give him some confidence in this ball game. Once the game was in, was in its hands, and okay, then they got 100 yards for E.T.N. because he was at like 99. They gave him one extra carry to get him to 100, got him out, and then it gave Bigsby an opportunity to you know look build his confidence. And when I say his performance was, eh, I was happy that he got on the field. I was happy that he was able to get the reps that he did because he needs to gain confidence. Because this team, if you remember back, and Mike, and I know you listen to a lot of guys, they all were so high and excited about watching Bigsby. one of the stars of the offseason. Oh, Might have been far. the star
1: uh, outside far. of Calvin
2: Ridley. And when, when his teammates were coming out of the preseason and they were being asked the question, you know, who, what are you most excited about or who are the most excited about watching this year? I mean, a ton of them were talking about Bixby. And so it's, it's not like you're pulling the wool over the player's eyes and we're making somebody a preseason star out of nothing. I mean, the player's recognized his talent in training camp, in practice, in the grind, and somewhere along the way, the lack of confidence uh, in, maybe in himself, by the coaching staff, His performance faltered, so this was good because, you know, in the playoffs you got to run the football, and you need to have two backs that can do that. And if he can somehow find a groove for you and for your football team, at this point that would be great.
1: Um, Keeping it on the offensive side, in terms of playmakers, you mentioned what they'll miss from Jamal Agnew in the return game. We don't know if Zay Jones is back this week. I think they're cautiously optimistic that he'll be able to ramp up his practice, but that doesn't mean he'll be available on Sunday, Christian Kirk, they can open the practice window beginning this week, but it doesn't come close to guaranteeing that he'd be able to return to the field. So if they don't have those guys and they don't have Agnew available to them, how you know big of a detriment is that to uh, stretching the field at least?
2: Well, it doesn't help, um, but uh, I think you can make it you know, through the week without having those guys. But I think there's a chance, a chance that you get Zay and a chance that you get Christian. Back this week. Now, Christian's probably a little bit more of a long shot because, remember, he had surgery, I believe.
1: Right. It's supposed to be more like a six-week timetable, I believe. So,
2: it might be pushing it a little bit, but, but, you know, let's wait and see. I mean, he
1: got that surgery and he was uh, working out pretty quickly after that. But, I mean. And And he's he's a guy. He's 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 a a diligent guy.
2: If there's a guy that's going to put in the work to be able to get back pretty quick, it's him. But, you know, sometimes you can't speed up the natural process of the body. You know, So I, I'm hopeful with him.
1: All right, uh, not big numbers from Ridley this week. How did you think he played when you watched the film? I
2: thought he played well. thought he played very well. thought he got good separation. I thought that at times he was open if C.J. chose to go his direction. C.J. a lot of times kind of kept it in closer, uh, which is fine. Trusted Evan. Don't have a problem with that. Uh, so I thought it was a fine, a good performance. I don't think it was a great performance, but a good performance, and there were other opportunities there for him if they chose to go his direction. You know, it's interesting because Evan
1: Ingram uh, caught six, led the team in that capacity, but had six targets. So he caught everyone thrown to him. Yeah. So I'd keep going to him as well if I were C.J. Beathard. But you know, the R- thing, Ridley actually got eight looks yeah, in the, the game.
2: The, the, the thing I think that was impressive, me and you were talking about this during the break, is that, you know, and we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show the commitment to the running game. What was it? Uh, I think twenty nine runs in his ball game. CJ had twenty seven passes if you count
1: twenty seven dropbacks. Twenty seven yep.
2: dropbacks if you count the the three runs that he had. Whatever. You know, prior to that game in the four game losing streak, it was like eighteen point seven five runs and forty four passes a game. I mean, it was well over two to one. And here you go. Okay, you're almost 50-50 in this pass game. So it was. Uh, Again, a surprising changeup in offensive philosophy based on what they had been doing.
1: Um, Your thoughts on how Antonio Johnson looked from the text
2: line. I've been been singing his praises since training camp. This guy's a talent. He has uh, uh, a lot of special abilities. He can play with length. He's got quickness. He's got speed. He's got a physical aspect to his game. This is a special football player. And I've been saying it since preseason. And he had the hamstring, which slowed his progress down. We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg with Antonio Johnson, in my opinion. We've got, we're Jacksonville's going to be really excited about this young man in the future and what he can do because he's got a lot more to offer.
1: Um, this one, uh, why do you think Yuseer Abdullah isn't getting activated on game day? He hadn't earned it. Yeah, I guess he's not showing
2: him enough. You no, know, had, hadn't earned it, and. uh you know, which is not good. Uh, is again getting active on game day and carving a rollout for yourself is about gaining trust, gaining trust from the coaching staff, gaining trust from your teammates. In some instances, and right now it's a, it's apparent that he they don't trust him more or believe that he can do more than Caleb on Chazon. because the role that he's trying to fight to take over is that he has to contribute on special teams and he has to be a rotational player on defense, although the amount is minimal. But until he can prove that he's a better player than Calavon in those categories, he's not going to be active.
1: All right, uh, we'll take our final timeout here. We'll come back. One segment to go on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman. goes fast when it's a victory Tuesday. We appreciate those around these parts, and uh, we'll come back with some final Round of questioning for Jeff, including mostly a look ahead at how the Jags will match up with the Titans in their rematch uh, after beating them handily the first time around with the division on the line for Jacksonville on Sunday. Mike Dempsey, Jeff Logman, and Dylan Denmark here with you. Fat Tony's on assignment. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
3: Jeff Loggeman Tuesday is brought to you by Mister Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, down the stretch here on a check-the-tape victory Tuesday. Uh, we'll get
1: to the 1010 take in a moment, uh, logs. But I wanted to ask you this one that came in. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I can't remember who sent it. But we we're talking about the off-season priority of getting Josh Allen uh, re-signed in mm-hmm. some capacity. What about Cam Robinson in, into the off We know. The Jacks can save a bunch of salary cap space if they move on from Cam Robinson, but
2: I'm else, not doing that.
1: Well, that—that's why I'm asking. Yeah, like, I'm not doing it. I'm kay. keeping them. You're—you'll—you'll eat the extra 17 million. Sure. Yeah.
2: you am a good football player, and uh, you know, I've said this in the past, so it's not like new ground here for me. I'm a big fan of Cam being the eventual right tackle, and I believe Anton Harrison is a natural left tackle, and. Uh, you know, I know that some people may not want to play right tackle. Cam. Um, but that's what would be, I think, would be best for this football team.
1: Do you have to, and on that, like, I'm a believer of you, you play for the team. If You're Jeff Logman, I You're under contract. You're making whatever you're making, right? And I tell you, we're going to line you up as uh, safety this week, that you're going to try your best to play safety, right? It's not ideal, but you're a football player.
2: What's c- best for the team?
1: That's what it's supposed to be, right, right. all hands on deck well and, do you, but do you have that conversation with cam like if they first of all, they would have to want to make that move, but let's say they did right let's say yeah. they, they thought anton Harrison on the left side, cam on the right gives us the best line. anton's now had his feet wet for a season. This is what we want to do um uh, we're willing to pick up your option or or not move on from you, i guess, not wave you here cam so Do you have to have that conversation make sure he's on board with that?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, out of respect for the player, you have that conversation. And at the end of that conversation, you know, one party may not like the answer that's heard, you know, Uh, but that's sometimes that's part of feeling a football team. You know, there's another part to this too, that you may have another guy that's not very happy about being a swing guy, you know, but then again, that's just part of the, part of the business, you know, and, and, now, I like Cam because I like his attitude, especially, you know, look at the the record that this team has with him in the starting lineup. I think it's, a, it's talked about and that they've only had one loss when he's been in the starting lineup. Is that statistic probably overblown? Probably to some extent, but it also, it means something. And it means something that he's a good football player and he can help this football team. And so, uh, for me, uh, I know that uh, you know. there's a business side of this game, and a business side of this game means that if you're playing and, and you can go back to uh, the gentleman that was playing in Baltimore that left to go to Kansas City to play left tackle. Um, yeah, he went to Cincinnati now. He's, now now yeah. he's in Cincinnati. Well, How kind of quickly <laughs> forget blank. their names. Um, Zeus's son. Yeah, Orlando Ar- Brown. Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, Orlando Brown Jr. And he knew that. The money is at left tackle, and that's where he wanted to play, and I respect that. But then also with Cincinnati this year, as part of him getting to play left tackle for Cincinnati, it meant for their starting left tackle to go to right tackle, and it was for the best interest of the team. Now it didn't work out for them as far as getting to the playoffs, but I think it made them a better offensive line, and if that makes this football team a better offensive line, then I think you, you got to consider it. Uh, but obviously, that's a conversation for the future because there are still games to play in the moment where all he's right. going to be left tackle. Right, right. Uh, all
1: right. Well, let's get to today's 10-10
3: uh, take. 10-10. 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take brought to you by j Roofing Jacksonville, your storm restoration specialists.
1: All right, logs. Uh, we like to set you up for the your take on a particular question for the Tuesday 10-10 take. This one from Golfaholic13. Well, I might be golf. Is that your handle, Mike? I might be Golfaholic12. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna head right to the range after the show. All right, uh, seemed like a better game plan offensively. Trevor's definitely a better athlete and arm talent at quarterback. The game plan, though, seemed more methodical and run heavy. Are they asking Trevor to do too much? If we're not playing catch up. What's wrong with a little more heavy run and play action approach?
2: I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That kind of was the point I was making earlier that, you know, do you look at this past game and, and also use a little bit of hindsight and say, okay, did did our approach in the previous four games, was that what should have been best for our team? And going forward, okay, if let's say we get Trevor back, what's our approach going to be? Are we just going to go ahead and open it back up again and have – 18 runs and 44 passes in a game. I think you got to look at managing that a little bit, and and making this offense not so quarterback centric.
1: At the same time, right? And the, the oversimplification—you don't buy a Ferrari to take it to the no corner store and back and park it for the rest of the week, right? I mean, you, he has he's capable of making some plays that CJ Beathard isn't. So you don't want to neuter yourself entirely. But I, I get like, you do what you need to do to win the game. Particularly this week because that's all that really matters. All that matters. Yeah. And so, with that, um, what do you think uh, – what excites you from a Jaguars standpoint? We'll start offensively. What do you think they can get accomplished against this Tennessee Titans team this week?
2: Well, since Tennessee's missing their, their big guy, Jeffrey Simmons, I, I think you can get more done on the ground maybe than you have been able to in the past. And uh, the, the most important thing about this game – which it, it start, I think every game should start with this, is don't beat yourself. Make sure that you're not making mistakes that hamper your ability to win a tight game. And, look, this past game was a perfect example of that. It was a clean football game. You didn't turn the ball over once. Defensively, you didn't have any blown assignments that cost you. You, as a defense, only got one takeaway. Okay, but that one takeaway was kind of at the end of the ball game but didn't matter. Mm-hmm. This game wasn't close because you just kept it clean. And if you keep the game clean in Tennessee, I believe you're going to win because it's a team that's struggling right now. And it's a team that's much different from its roster standpoint than it was the first time that you've met. And it's a team that's in in obvious transition. So play a clean game and have balance on offense, play hard on defense, and you should get this win. Um, By the way, dude, Kind of back that up. You look at what Houston
1: did against Tennessee this week. Did not turn it over. Like Jacksonville, committed one penalty that was accepted. Somebody made the point earlier, hey, Cam had a penalty. Yeah, it was offsetting, though, on the, the right. play where he tossed the helmet. So, no, uh, only one accepted penalty. They had one penalty for six yards in the game. It was pretty impressive for the Strong. Texans this week. And, what was
2: C.J. Stroud's number?
1: Uh He was 24-32 for 213 and a touchdown. Strong. So, you know. He's, Solid. Cool. He's he really He completed good. 75%, you know, not for huge yardage numbers. Uh, Devin Singletary ran it 16 times, I think, for 60? 80. was it 80? Okay. Yeah. And they had a scoop and score. Yeah, it was 80. Right. They kind of buried him early, and it was, they didn't really need right. C.J. Right. Once Stratton they got down, I, I do think, to a certain degree, I think the Tennessee Titans will be fired up because the guys that are back will remember the Jags got them in the last game last year. I think if you punch them in the mouth early, though, like middle of the second quarter, if they're down two scores, that's the is what's the incentive level for these guys? Just like this past game,
2: right? Just like this past game, you started. I don't want to say fast. You started solid. Right? You went down. You got some points on the board. Got to to stop. Got to stop. And boy, how nice was it to have the Carolina Panthers without a kicker right out of the gate to where. You kick off and your linebacker is handling the kickoff, and you get great field position to start the game. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Okay. And then when Carolina has its first possession, they can't even hit a field, field goal. Goals. Yeah. And they were in obvious field goal range because, again, they lost their kicker in pregame warm ups.
1: And, and at that point, like maybe the punter has the ability to kick a 40 yard field goal or whatever. But if you're Carolina, isn't it more, important? let's go for it on some of these fourth downs. Let's put Bryce Young in some situations where he can have uh, at least an opportunity to have success. Right? right. His growth, much more important than whether you hung three on the
2: board so on Ten- Sunday. In, in Tennessee, I think it's very similar in that uh, you've got a struggling football team, a team that's going to be in transition with a lot of change coming. Not as much as maybe the Carolina Panthers, but I, I still think that they see a lot of change coming. So, Will they shut it down, so to speak, if all of a sudden things don't go well early in the ballgame? Malik Willis? I would. Anyone? I would. I would <laughs> think that that would not happen with a Mike Vrabel coached team, right? And especially with Derrick Henry on a roster, and uh, and Mike Vrabel most importantly, because he's a good football coach in my opinion. I think he's going to have that team ready to go. But I mean, how ready to go can they be? They've had a lot. Of, again, I, I said this early in, in in the part of the show is that they have had a lot of change from the last meeting from a personnel standpoint, you know, trade, trading away Kevin Byard. Simmons is on IR. Their quarterback situation is unknown. There's been a lot of injuries throughout the roster.
1: But I'll say this, you know, it is the NFL, right? And the Jags were on a four-game losing skid, and then they played a dominant football game. Tennessee is on a three-game losing skid. The game before that,
2: they beat Miami on the road. Which is? 28-27. to 27. Let's and, I, and that's the first game that I would show my team. Honestly. This is I, what if, they're capable if of. If I'm Doug Peterson, that's the film that we're looking at a lot. Okay, When when you game plan, typically you have in your game plan three or four games that are in your game plan statistical evaluation, and you tr- you try to pick opponents that are similar to you. The games are fairly recent. And that game would be the highlight of film that I'm showing my players just because it shows what they're capable of. Now, is it the focal point of what your game plan is going to be? Does Miami run the same type of offense and the same type of defense? Not so much. But when you evaluate individual personnel, I want them to see that film and I'm going to want, I want them to watch Tennessee's personnel in that game have success against Miami.
1: All right, uh, by the way, since that game though, they've scored 16, 17 and then three points two of those losses coming to Houston. And uh, the other one to Seattle, but uh, competitive in two out of the three. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all right, we'll get some final thoughts from Jeff Logman on our first check-the-tape Tuesday of the calendar year. But first, let's say hello to XL Primetime.
3: Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Mia O'Brien is here. Happy New Year, Mia.
4: Happy New Year. We got the prices right on at 1010XL World Headquarters. Uh, this is quite the vibe. And uh, Las Vegas up on the screen, a trip to Las Vegas, because uh, that's where the Jags are going in February, right? Uh, uh, right? Am I right? Am I right?
1: Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, are you making that prediction?
4: Uh, no, I just saw Las Vegas. And I okay. Just, you know, well, I'm trying you to were asking positive... if you are right. I
1: wanted to know if you thought you were right. I'm trying
4: to keep the positive vibes flowing. Uh, trying who, to keep who's those positive playing vibes this flowing.
1: week? among injured Jaguars in your your guesstimation.
4: In my guesstimation. The Christian Kirk thing surprised me when Doug said it yesterday on the call. That he could be. At at least that his 21-day window could be open. I I don't think, at least from what – the orthopedic surgeons, i.e. Dr. George Barry, that we've talked to, who obviously didn't perform the surgery but have performed similar surgeries. Um, from what we've been told, it would be a miraculous recovery for him to practice and play on Sunday, so I'm not so sure you see him. I do think you will see Zay Jones. I would think you'll see Ezra Cleveland, but, hey, I mean, I thought Tyler Shatley looked just as fine, and certainly this is a formidable front of Tennessee even without Jeffrey Simmons. But I thought he got the job done, and at the end of the day, that's what the Jags need right now is they just need to get the job done.
1: I feel like you may have overlooked one. Um, oh, 16. Oh, yes. Yeah, what yeah. about him?
4: Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I really don't know. The fact that Albert Breer reported yesterday, he spoke with C.J. Bethard, and C.J. said that Trevor told him earlier last week, yeah, man, I'm probably not going this week. And he said, Trevor never says that. That says to me that this shoulder injury may be worse than many were letting it on. Well, I mean,
1: obviously it's bad enough to keep him out of the game logs when he's never missed one. So, you know, what, what do you think? What's your gut
2: tell you? I mean, I, we're only guessing. We have no idea. I mean, I mean, guessing right now, I would say no. Okay. But, uh, again, Trevor has surprised me in the past. But, I mean, a separated shoulder is a painful thing. You're you can not, either
1: throw, you know, effectively or not. you got to deal with the pain. Right. Right. You know, but it's, it's not only that it's it's also the performance is the ball coming out of your hand right. the it's, same it's, way it's a
2: pain management issue and does the pain or the pain management aspect of it affect the accuracy I would think that it would you know, in the old days you shoot it up you know but I mean do you do that nowadays with a franchise quarterback who is just beginning to see the tip of the iceberg of His talents and his impact on the organization, I don't know if you take that risk.
4: Because it's not like you could scheme around a shoulder, Logs. You could scheme around a knee injury. You can scheme around the ankle. Well,
2: you can can scheme. I mean, you could, look, you could go into a game just like you did this past week if Trevor was playing and and stay committed to the run just like you did with CJ. So, I mean, you can game plan around that a little bit, but you can't execute, okay, with a shoulder that's prohibiting you from being an accurate thrower. You know, it's just like uh, if you take one of the most talented you know, trumpet players or saxophone players in the world. I mean if they've got an f- injury to a finger, can they Are you saying play you're one of the, the more boards? talented trumpet players Rides in the I world? Cut, I cut or? my I cut my finger. This is okay. why you watch on YouTube. Folks. In here. That's I mean, right. I no I cannot play any instrument. By okay. The
1: way. Is that, like, is that a fresh one, like uh, on the on the way in from the car or something? Yes.
2: Really? Yeah, I think I nicked it on something. He's got a yeah. little paper towel. I was getting towel. blood on my game board as I was working Can't on it. I was like, wait a minute. So I had to wrap it up with tissue. All right, Mia, what's coming up on primetime?
4: Oh, well, of course, we will run through not only the Jaguars victory on Sunday, but the college football playoff. Man, oh, man, did you guys stay up for the entirety of that one last nope. I was up.
1: I didn't watch it. Nope. Yeah,
4: 8.45 kickoff, a little little bit later than that because the other one went to overtime. I mean, I understand why they do it, but not great, Bob, not great, Doc Giff. Um, Coach Campo will join us at 2 o'clock as well to break down the Jags even more.
1: All right, have a good show. Thank you. Thank you, Mia. There she goes. XL Primetime coming up. Uh, Logs, where are we going to get you this week?
2: Uh, let's see we have a Jaguars happy hour Thursday at four o'clock with me and JP coach's show starting at five and then Jaguars all access seven o'clock that night at string sports brewery and then outdoor show on Saturday and then Nashville here we come on Saturday game on Sunday one o'clock kickoff thank you very much NFL for the one o'clock
1: kick I would have been good with Saturday night kickoff too me too that would have been but Stellar.
2: Not as good. I like Sunday one o'clock, and that way Saturday night you can watch little games. Hopefully, have a little steak in Nashville. Yeah. And uh I don't uh, care about steak in
1: Nashville. I ain't going to Nashville. I needed Sunday off. That would have been nice, but uh, I'll I'll happily you know what I'll happily give up the next four or five weekends, however many it takes. Let's
3: get well, to Vegas.
2: Well, just one one thing here. Me and you were talking before we even went on the air, and the the way the NFL has evolved. This schedule to make all the games on Sunday this weekend meaningful is tremendous. It just shows that the the NFL is king. It's the best product, and all those college bowl games that have been on, I mean, are just it's just wasted time in my opinion. The only games that mattered in college football were the two that were played last night. Yeah, and even them, they don't match what the NFL has.
1: I uh, totally agree with you, but uh, that's a conversation for another day because we're out of time. Logs, have a good one. Happy New Year. Happy Pockets, New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Uh, Fat Tony on assignment. Uh, we'll see if he's back with us tomorrow. But uh, Happy New Year to all of you out there. A fresh start for the Jaguars season. Uh, go ahead and take care of business against Tennessee tomorrow. John O'Sher will join us. Mike DiRocco on Thursday. Tom McManus on Friday. And off we go into the weekend uh, with the final regular season game coming up for the Jags. That'll do it for us. Stick around for XL Primetime next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.